here, I kind of couldn't resist telling uh, a story. Usually, as a pastor, what you want <laughs> I to keep a straight face. I think I th a lot of times, <laughs> a lot. You want to be self-effacing in your stories, and that's 99%. But right now, I can't resist an opportunity, come on, to make fun of my good friend. How many want to hear a good will-fail story? <laughs> Just curious, who wants to hear two? Because I've got a list. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we were laughing earlier. As a worship leader, you give vocal cues. And he was trying to, he was doing, there is no God like Jehovah. And he shouted, there is no God. And everybody was like, what? And everybody's like, I mean, like Jehovah. <laughs> Fail. Everybody just turn a will and say, it's okay, man. It's okay. So tonight, the reason I bring, that, I bring up will is tonight there's going to be a basketball tournament. And I remember the last time I played basketball with Will. <laughs> Again, who wants to hear the story? Come on, right? All right. I thought, I thought he was in shape. He thought he was in shape, right? We're playing for about 10 minutes, and dude just lost all blood sugar. <laughs> Passed out mid-layup. He makes a move. He goes like this and just like. And I'm laughing, and I'm like, are you okay? And I'm laughing, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, we need to call 911. And he's like, I need a Snickers. <laughs> it was the funniest thing, and we're getting him Snickers and Kool-Aid. It, it, was, it was like somebody got like a melting ice cream cone we could just drip into his face. I don't know. It was hysterical. And he's like, no, really, I need a Snickers. Okay, we're going to get you a Snickers. But anyway, give it up for Will, our worship leader. He's... <laughs> He's very athletic. No, we're going we're gonna to kill it tonight on the basketball court. We're going to beat the war on campus because it's all about competition. Can I get an amen? Just kidding. It's not an amen. But all right. That had nothing to do with my sermon. I just couldn't resist the opportunity. Um, we are in a sermon series called Connected Forever. And I just love, I love this concept uh, when me and Pastor Andrew and Pastor Dave were, were praying last fall about what, what would God want to uh, bring us into as a church in, in the next few months. We felt like February would be a, a great month to celebrate relationships, the life that we have uh, with each other. Uh, and by the way, can we put our hands together for Pastor Mark, who did a great job last week <laughs> preaching about family, your spouse, your kids. It's your first opportunity to, to be Christ-like. And uh, if you happen to miss it, you can catch that online, of course. But today... Um, I felt God take me in a, a unique direction. Um, it's a direction I wasn't honestly anticipating going in. And he just kept leading me back to Genesis. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Genesis. It's very beginning. If you're new to faith, it's the very first book right there. And um, I'm not going to read a, a, lot of, of a lot of passages. All I want you to do is mark it with your bookmark. And I want you to read that. At home, uh, if you're married, I want you to read that with your spouse. And I want you to think about the verses that are right there and highlight or circle maybe the things that God uh, makes stand out to you as you read it this week. And I want to comment on just a few things. We talk about God breathing in to Adam and making him alive. And as you would know, you turn the page right and you see God says, it's not good for man to be alone. 
And so it wasn't just like, okay, you know, utilitarianism, like it just, we have to multiply, so he needs that part or no. It was about relationship. It was about community. It was about communion. It was about relationship. So I want you to just think. This is creator God, a triune God, a triune. Everybody say it with me, triune God. Triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They're in relationship with each other. I know it's hard for us to imagine because it's one God, but they're in relationship with each other. Are you tracking with me? Say, I'm tracking. All right, so they're in relationship. The Father is in relationship to the Son. The Spirit is in relationship uh, to the Father and Son. And even I like to say that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, right? We see that from John 17. But they're in relationship one to another. And when God made us, he said, let us. It's one of the most fascinating little words. In fact, if you've got your Bible, just circle that. Let us make man in our image. Everybody say us. Again, a triune God. I know it's hard. We're just not a sermon about the Trinity, so I can't go much longer on that. But it's a mystery that God is three in one, but he's three in one. And he makes us, in a way, three in one, right? Body, soul, and spirit. Our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our spirit is the real you that goes up to heaven. <laughs> Sorry, I had a funny story just crossed my mind. Can I just tell you one more funny story? I don't know what's into me today. We were driving past a, um, driving past a um, cemetery, <laughs> and Danielle goes, oh, Grandma's over there. <laughs> and my daughter goes, you said grandma was in heaven. <laughs> Woo, I'm like, honey, you can handle that one, you know. That's some deep theology about to happen to my six-year-old. We're like, well, her body's over there, but she's in heaven. So anyway, just everybody just hold your hand out and shake it like this. All right, I like to say this, that's just your corpse, all right. That's just your corpse. That's just your body. The real you is the spirit man, and God made you three in one. I'm going somewhere. I know you guys are thinking, man, that's a lot of, a lot of thought here right away. I'm going somewhere. That real you is designed, hear me, to connect with other humans, with other people created in the image of God. You're designed to be in relationship one to another. Again, my dad talked about the family and how that is a, a, a picture of what God has done on the earth. We even see a picture of, uh, right, bride and groom as a picture of Jesus and his bride. And how amazing that is. But then there's also relationships that we have with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with our friends. All right? So we're going to talk about that today. And why did God, um, why is this idea and how is this idea of relationship so important? And so I was asking the Holy Spirit, why do you keep taking me back to Genesis? You know, and as a pastor, I'm like, I want to preach out of Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and the body of Christ. And, and, and then I, I felt like the Holy Spirit say, but why are you alive? So let's put up this slide. What is the meaning of life? I know we circle back to this a couple times a year. And I do that on purpose because if you get this right, if you get this right, everything else follows suit. All right, two weeks ago, right, we said the catechism, what is the, the chief goal of man? Is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, some of you might say, isn't that from a Baptist seminary? Yes, I'm Baptocostal. Anybody else Baptocostal? Come on, you love the word and the spirit. Anybody raise your hand if you're Baptocostal? Let me see it. Just two of you? Great. 
That was awesome. Let's try this side. Is anybody over here Baptocostal? Awesome. Got to love the whole thing. The whole thing. Here we go. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Can we all say that with me? Say it with me. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the meaning of life. And then I was thinking, but, but why, Holy Spirit, are you taking me? Because it, if that's the meaning of life, great. That's, that's for like another sermon. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, but why, why do you bear the image of God? You are called to be an image bearer, right? You're bearing the image of God to other image bearers. Who are you bearing the image of God to? Who are you called to bear the image of God to? Nicole is called to bear the image of God to Ray. You getting it now, right? You're called to bear the image of God. Danielle is bearing the image of God to her coworkers at the hospital. Amen? You're bearing the likeness of God. As you let the spirit of God transform you. One of the ways we glorify God is by being an image bearer. A bearer of his image to everyone around us. We give glory to Jesus by the way that we love others and act Christ-like. Jesus-like. And a lot of Christians, I I hope you hear me this morning because so many Christians worldwide, especially in America... We have this messed up philosophy on Christianity. We think uh, the goal of man, I'm to know God and then drive home and shut my garage door, right? And then as long as I just go to work and, you know, I'm a decent citizen and as long as I come to church, then, but God has so much more for you. God has so much more. You can bear the image of God and you can see the image of God to from others if you'll let them into your life. Amen? If you'll let them into your life. And we have this very, like, this is going to be some, I don't know, my mind's just been really going this week. I think, of, you know, I, I see theology in Dollar General, guys. I pull, I know, just, I'm weird. Just shake your head at me. I pull in a Dollar General and I'm just like, it's the same building everywhere. It's like architecture and beauty is gone in America. Has anybody seen $10,000 generals? If I see one more dollar general, you know? And I pulled in a dollar general and I'm like, Lord, why do I feel like this? How is this connected to my faith? Why am I thinking this? And I was like, I felt like God wants to return us to the beauty of these conversations where we find the beauty in other people where we're connected to them and genuinely hear them. And instead, like I would rather have one Sistine Chapel than a thousand dollar generals. And I'd rather have 10 friends where I really know their story than 10,000 social media friends. Are we, are you, can I, I know it's weird, weird thinking this morning, but I want you to hear me. We are, we're getting very transactional in our culture, getting really transactional in our culture And God doesn't want you to live in a transactional mindset. If I do for you, then you do for me. And and if you don't do for me, then what I think I do for you, then then the relationship's cut off. Or I'm going to go to work and I'm going to give the minimal effort. I start at nine, then I'm going to start at nine. Instead of like, I wonder, Holy Spirit, who can I connect with today? Who's in, who's in at the water cooler and at the coffee pot that I can hear their story I can bear the image of God to them. 
Are you tracking with me yet? I know, we're only on the introduction. Here we go. So glorify God forever. Let's go to this slide. As humans, we've always tried to categorize each other. And this is where I think a problem is in this failure to actually connect, is we only want to see people and interact with people in our tribe and in our silo. And you got to be careful because even social media can make you just an echo chamber of your own beliefs. But we'll talk about that more another day. But we love our tribes, and tribes can be good. In fact, how many of you, like, how many of you are into sports and maybe you have, like, a soccer team? Like, Elijah, you have a soccer team. Brandon, Heather, and he has the same, same soccer team, volleyball team for years. How many of you would say, like, you have a tribe, right? You have, like, some of you are like, I don't have a tribe. Do you play cards with someone every month? All right, that's a tribe. All right, so start raising your hand if you have a, if you have a tribe, right? All right, so that can be good. That can be good. And God does design you, and God does design you, again, for this interaction with, with long-term friends. And I want to speak to that today. That's beautiful. But I also want you to not be closed off because someone's in a different tribe. I, I want you to not think I can't be connected to them because X, Y, Z. Guys, some of my favorite friends, some of my favorite and closest friends in ministry are, are not Assemblies of God, Pentecostal. <gasps> what? Yes, people, there are Christians outside the Assemblies of God. I know, Ed's like shocked. One of our elders said, what? You're designed to be, it's, I'm just telling you, we live in a very categorized, like everybody, you need to find your category. You're, you're, you're neither not old enough or you're too old. So you're old or you're young. You're black or you're white. You're, you're Republican or you're Democrat. You're, are you catch, how many know what I'm talking about? Like we're, we're, we've got this tribalism problem. What would happen if we went to work and instead of thinking they look different than me or they uh, think different than me or they vote differently than me, I would think they're made in the image of God like me. Oh, I hope you're hearing this. Because that's the first premise you have to get right to get connected. See, I could just start, I could just give you ten ways to be connected, connected forever. Right? I could just skip right to application. But if you miss the premise, then it'll never happen. It'll just become uh, functional and, and lifeless. And so I'm not so much giving you ways to be connected. We might get into application today if I have time. But I really want you to get the why you are connected to that other human being that's at work. And it's not just that you clock in and you clock out. They have real fears, real concerns, real things that keep them up at night. And you are the image of God to them. You are the image of God. In fact, Jesus says it like this, right? I'm going to put my spirit in you. And you're going to remind them of everything I've said. Wow. Look at this quote from G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite theologians and commentaries. He says, we have all forgotten what we really are. You are an image bearer. Tim, you're an image bearer. Everybody has a twin. He is a twin of Brent Bollinger. Does anybody know Brent Bollinger? I saw him this morning. I was like, Brent. And he looked at me. He's like, I'm not Brent. I'm like, oh, Tim. You have a twin. Everybody like, no, but you, you are meant to bear the image of God. 
you're, you're meant to bear the likeness of God. Now, how many would say, like, at times that can be hard because some people are just plain hard to love? Come on, somebody. Right? Sometimes being an image bearer can be difficult. But what if we return to the simple idea that we're all humans created in the image of God for the glory of God? If we return to this purpose of displaying the image of God, then we're able to bear the image of God to everyone around us. Now, how is that possible? Ever say the Holy Spirit. How is that possible? One of my favorite uh, sermon series my dad ever did was, uh, was called uh, the Holy Spirit or how the Holy, Sp how the Holy Spirit. Because you can try on your own to be loving and connect. And it can maybe kind of work in a platonic way, but only for a while. What you really need is the Holy Spirit. And what, what do I mean by that? You need God to do a work in you. All right? How many would just nod along with me if you say, Pastor Jordan, there are times when I'm tempted to just be in my tribe, go to the store, check out, get my stuff done, knock off my to-do list, don't see anyone around me, and shut the garage door. Come on, anybody else? Is it just me? Thank you. Now we're starting. Okay, I love an honest congregation. Turn around and high-five your neighbor. Because at, fir at first, y'all weren't really honest. But now you're like, all right. All right, you're talking to me. Here we go. I was thinking about this. And, and guys, I, I've read Genesis so many times. And I'm like, what is it right here that was missing in Adam's life. And you know what I noticed? He was given joy in the work of tending the garden, which we've talked about that before. We've talked about that before. Work comes from God. Work is not part of the curse. God, was, God called Adam to cultivate the garden, take dominion over the garden, and he had joy. Dude, I would love naming the animals, right? Like zebra, I'll call you zebra. Like that would, like he, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he had joy in tending over the garden. But check this out. He still wasn't fulfilled. There was a part of him that needed communion with someone else. So men, I have news for you. Like Adam, you can't fully bear the image of God through your work alone. You bear his image and display his glory by the way you care for others. By the way you care for your mom and dad. By the way you care for your, your wife and your kids if you're married. And so a lot of times we get, we feel like our identity as a guy, all right, is, is only to come from what we do. And part of that is designed by God because God did design you to care for and to provide for your family. And that's a great thing. And that's, that's a sermon for another day. That's designed by God. But if you're not careful, you will think that my only identity and my only way I glorify God is through my work. Any, any, any men ever been tempted to think that, right? You think like, well, as long as I put food on the table, I put the roof. Yeah, I see a lot of men nodding your head, right? Why? We were designed to say, I'm going to provide for my family. I'm going to put food on the table. I'm going to put a roof over the head. I'm going to provide for you. But men, it's not good for you to be alone. So say, let God say to you today, who is around you that you can genuinely show care to? Now, I know some of you men, you're like, you know, you're like Tim Allen's neighbor. You know, just, you know, how you doing? 
What's your favorite sports team? <laughs> you know? Any, any guys like that, don't raise your hand. Wives, don't nudge them right now. That's okay. And you say, well, I'm not a talkative person. I'm not saying you have to be a talkative person, but you can be a caring person. You can just ask, hey, how you doing? You know, hey, want to watch the game with me? You might be like, yeah, I do. And inside they're going, I need a friend. Right? Why? We're connected forever, and you're designed for relationships. Now, I want to take this one step further. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Luke. We're going to look at the good Samaritan. And uh, where's the reference? Luke 10, 25. Luke 10, 25. If you got it or you want to read it on the screen, that's cool too. Look at this. Jesus Jesus shocks them with a story. And I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to warn you that this will challenge you today. So everybody just put your hand on your heart. If you're okay, just say, I'm ready to be challenged. By the way, if you're never challenged in your church, that's not a good thing. All right, here we go. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test. So this is in front of other people. Jesus is teaching, as in Jewish custom, he's seated, seated down. But somebody kind of says out loud, teacher, what shall I do to inherit life, eternal life? He said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So they knew this is connected to the Shema that they were used to saying, the Lord your God over Israel is one. And anyway, so he quotes that and he says to them, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself. This is so interesting. We're going to go deep this morning. I know we're already, we're, already, we're already kind of in the shallow end, right? But we're about to dive into the deep end. And there's no earplugs. Come on. Here we go. Everybody say this with me. Justify himself. Desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man, by the way, whenever Jesus starts with a story, you're in trouble. If you ask Jesus a question and he's like, so there was once a man, you're like, oh, boy. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. By the way, when I visited Israel in 2017, Israel is on this mountaintop. So it's not just a metaphor that David give, gives, come let us go up. He, it's literally a hill. So he goes down to Jericho and he fell among robbers, which was normal in this passage right here. The robbers stripped him and beat him and departed him, leaving him for dead. Now by chance, a priest, everybody say priest. A priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Everybody say compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, he poured oil and wine. He set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He gave the innkeeper money and said, please take care of him. Whatever you spend, 
put it on my bill. Put it on my bill. I will repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, you go and do likewise. You have to realize how deeply this challenged that lawyer. Because the lawyer knew the law. He knew the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. But it's likely he did not like Samaritans. It's likely that he, like many Jewish people, were racist towards Samaritans. That's the word we would use today. It's the exact same thing. Where Jesus, That's why Jesus took them through Samaria to find the Samaritan woman. How many know the story? Right? To deal with that thing in their heart. By the way, Jesus is always intentional where he takes you. We're going to return to that in a minute. But he is teaching them that the Samaritan shows compassion. Now, this is not just a Jewish man. This is a lawyer and a Jewish man. And Jesus is saying the Samaritan, the very person that you're racist against, is showing more righteousness than you. Now, how many think if, if that was you, you would be offended right there? Nobody? Come on. If you'd be offended right there, Jesus is like calling you out. I mean, that'd be, that'd be offensive. But think about this. It's such a simple thing, but the man was living through the wrong lens. So I want to put up this next screen. He was living through the law lens. A man rose up seeking to justify himself. How many remember that? See, in the law, you justify yourself. I have done X, Y, Z. And in the law paradigm, I'm driven by comparison. This is the same reason why the rich young ruler walks away sad. What is the result of living through the law? Tribalism, disdain, and sadness. That lawyer maybe walked away sad, just like the rich young ruler, just like any religious leader even who didn't repent and accept Jesus. Because they lived through the law lens. Everybody just hold your, hold your hand up like this. Okay? You can think this way, but what is it going to leave you with? Sadness. Everybody say it with me, Sadness. But what about grace? This is where the sermon's got to get really good. Say, I'm ready. Grace makes you better than you are. Grace forgives you. Grace stepped into your life and crawled on the cross that you deserved. Grace stepped in and took the punishment of all of your mistakes and my mistakes. How many are so thankful for the person of grace, Jesus Christ? So you have been justified by God. So now you are driven by gratitude. So check this out. What was the man's next question? Well, who is my neighbor? I mean, imagine, imagine Pastor Mark is leading a, a Sunday school. I know we do life groups now. But imagine we're in a group and we're doing Sunday school and he were to say, love your neighbor. And, and uh, Tim Gaffey were to say, well, I really don't have any neighbors. You know, I live out in the country. So... Who is my neighbor? I really don't have anybody. I don't have to, I don't have I don't have to serve anybody. 
That's what he was doing. And here's what the law does. Minimum amount required. Do you see that? If I just do X, Y, Z, minimum amount. But now you think about the, you think about the lens of grace. Guys, there's a 16-year-old in this congregation, I will not point her out, who gave a car away to a family in need. A car. Come on, somebody praise God for that. Just put your hands together. <laughs> Blew my mind. And she has the biggest joy and smile. Why? She is living through the lens of grace. She knows God has justified her. Now she's driven by gratitude. And what's the result? Community. How can I love you? How can I bring joy into your life? How can I show compassion? Are you getting that? But if you live through the lens of the law, you will ask Jesus questions to get out of the very thing God's trying to do in your life. And you'll say, well, if I can justify myself, I have been a Boy Scout. I have done, I have never robbed anybody. I've never lied. I've never, any of these things. And it's like, Jesus is like, no, but you need grace. You need grace to change your heart. And I wonder how many of us have been in the, in the, the priest or the Levite. Let's put up that next slide. You see, there's three responses to pain I see here. The priest has disdain. And sadly, I think a lot of Christians and, and churchgoers, they, and they, they do love God. They, they are forgiven that they're saved. But they accidentally, if I could use that word, they live like that first person. Disdain. They're actually inconvenienced by the hurting. Can I preach to you? Can I preach to you, Rock of Grace? You see, the priest was on his way to church, and if he touched that man, he would be unclean. The next response to pain is denial. How many have ever done that? I don't see him. I don't see him. I don't see him. Anybody? And guys, this is where a lot of churchgoers live. Sadly, this is even where churches, churches as a corporate entity can accidentally live. I don't know about you, but I want to be Christ-like. I want to be the good Samaritan. I want to be the person that says, I see the pain, moved with empathy, the thoughts of God towards the pain, and do something about the pain. Anybody? So he put him on his own animal, right? He took him to the hotel. And he even said, if he drinks that $3 bottle of water, put it on my tab. How many of you guys have ever seen that extra charge? Like, what is that? $3 for that water. So the Samaritan was not inconvenienced by someone in pain, but had compassion how many is like me, you want to be more compassionate this morning? Is anybody else, is this story hitting you? Because I'm reading this this week and I'm like, Lord, make me like that third person. Make me realize that I am called to bear your image to everyone. 
even people who are cheering for the Rams. They too can be loved. But we do this. And that's the, the, the heart of this message today is that we would try to be a little bit better at getting out of our tribe and saying, who is at my workplace? This is why we're intentionally having a guest speaker next week, Mark Andreessen. In fact, I just want to speak to this real quick. Grab this, grab this uh, postcard. I want to tell you, this is such a God thing. Because when I schedule Pastor Mark here, um, you know, we always used to do a 10-minute missionary window. And he said, well, I just want to ask, would it be possible if I were to share this message? And he started sharing with me what God was putting on his heart. And I said, that's actually, that's like the whole heart of week three of this sermon series. So I think this is a God thing. Just go for it. And I know it starts at 12 and you might have to go home, but that's so that Warren campus and Cortland campus can come and join us. But here's the thing. You know what he has seen over and over? He has had pastors call him weeks later and say, I've never seen so many people in my church lead people to Jesus. Because there's anointing on his life and a gift to teach this, uh, this kind of how-to of evangelism, how to love and listen and lead people to Jesus. So that's a practical way you can respond to this message today. I want to invite everybody to stand up to your feet. And I just want to give you a thought. I wanted to close with an illustration. Because I was asking God, how can I make this real? Anybody, anybody use uh, AirPods? These are AirPods. Does anybody have AirPods you know what I'm talking about or wireless? Yeah. Actually, true story. My daughter uh, thought she would make herself some AirPods, and uh, she took my earbuds and just cut the cord. <laughs> it was so cute. Yeah, that's parenting. I have a lot of those things, children, a lot of them. I couldn't find my earbuds, and I go up to the, I go up to the, I see them underneath the TV, and I'm like, oh, my, and I get closer, and I see their cord is cut. I'm like, wow, that's, I said, who cut my earbuds? And Eden goes, I made AirPods. Like, no, you didn't. You ruined them. Thank you. I just gave her a hug. <laughs> I'm sharing this story because what I want you to know is there, there's, there's a, the same Holy Spirit is going to connect you to someone. All right, so I want to put up the title slide, Lonnie, if you will. Put up the very first slide. And I want you to, guys to look at the colorful line flowing through the words. Because the Holy Spirit was drawing me to this image that Michelle made. And, and I was like, wow, isn't that like the Spirit? You see, when I have my AirPods in and they're connected to my phone, I'm, I'm listening to music and you're not listening to that music, but I'm listening to that music. I mean, it's with me. It's connected to my phone. There's a technology that is far greater than Bluetooth. It's called the Holy Spirit. Oh, are you with me? Are you hearing this? The Holy Spirit is going to tell you, go encourage that person. You see, the Holy Spirit is going to tell Kelly to go encourage someone, to smile at someone, to offer to pray for someone that I'm never going to meet that week. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to Bob passionately and say, hey, I want you to send a text to this guy. He's down today. See that? You have that Holy Spirit connecting you to, to the exact person that that 
person needs that encouragement today. They need to see the image of God in your life. And I want to tell you, I know I've said this before, but I want to say it again. That's the meaningful life. The meaningful life is not hoarding up a bunch of things. It's blessing people. It's showing the love of God and the goodness of God to people. So we're going to end this sermon a little bit different. I'm praying this morning. I'm sitting on the chair and I'm like, Lord, I know I want to invite him up to the prayer team. And I want you to know all these guys with the, with the lanyards on, they've been through our prayer team training and they'd love to pray with you. But before you go to them, I want to establish a little exercise that will apply what we're saying. I want to establish a little exercise that will apply what we're saying. Now, some of you might say, Pastor Jordan, do not, do not make me go talk to someone. I am a sanguine. I've done the personality test. I am not a lion. Lay off. Here's the thing. I want to ask you to ask God, who is the one person, and I'm going to make this, it's going to be organized chaos for just a minute. Who is the person that Holy Spirit is going to do the Bluetooth with today and connect you to them? And I want you to give them one word. Just one word. I want to tell you, you can be a voice of, of God. You can be a voice, an instrument of God. Before I ask you to do this, I just, I'm just thinking of a story that comes to mind. I had a friend named Jody Harrington. She was the associate for the uh, president at the Bible College. And she kept coming up to me and encouraging me in a prophetic gift. And I keep seeing people and I would have a thought or a, a picture in my mind and over and over, she would just come up to me. It would be like if Luba just walked up to me and said, like the second I was thinking it, she would say, you have a prophetic word for that, that guy. Why don't you go share it with him? Like, how did you know? The first time she did this, I will never forget it. It really, it changed my life. Because I was standing there and we're just, just worshiping. And this was so vivid. I just looked over. I wasn't asking. Just, just in worship. And I, I saw this, this girl, a classmate of mine. I didn't know her, but I had seen her in some classes. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go tell her she's unique. And I was like, no, I don't want her to think I'm like flirting with her. Like I have a girlfriend. It's good. I'm not, I don't need to go talk to somebody in worship. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go tell her. And I'm like, no. Anybody ever argue with God? Just, just me and John, Mick, awesome. I mean, that's not awesome. Um, but I'm standing there and Jody comes up to me and Jody goes, you have a prophetic word for somebody, don't you? And I'm like, how do you know that? And so she's like, well, just go do it. So I go over, and guys, all I said was this. I said, hey, I just think God wants you to know you're, you are very unique. And she burst into tears. And I'm like, oh, what did I do? I just, I broke her. Like she just, she starts crying. And I'm like, oh, what did I say? And she goes, I just told God through this whole service, I have nothing special to give. And I'm not unique. I was just telling God that. And that was, I remember, one of the first times when I felt like God said, I want to show my love through you if you'll let me. I want to be a voice of encouragement to people if you'll let me. So we're going to have a little organized chaos. If you're ready to grow in your faith, yeah, I imagine you're, you're here on a Sunday, so imagine you want to grow in your faith. I want everybody on this side to back up this way a little bit. All right, and go towards this wall right here. 